Staff and students shouldn't have to pay for mismanagement here and for irresponsible underfunding from the government. Essentially, the university could face insolvency in September next year if it did nothing, if there mm. were no cuts. We'd have no money yeah. at the end of last year. Exactly. And that is, that's scary to think about. A crisis unfolding. Jobs on the line. Programs facing the cut. Victoria University finds itself teetering on the edge of financial ruin, part of a wider struggle across the country faced by the tertiary sector. In this special episode of the unedited session, you'll hear from salient co-editor Maya Engo and news co-editor Ethan Manera as they break down the situation. They speak with the VUW Tertiary Education Union head Dougal McNeil and President of VUSA Jessica Yeo to get a picture of the staff and student reaction to the troubling news. Breaking news! Job cuts announced at Victoria University. Welcome to the special edition of the unedited session where we are breaking down the most recent news announced in the last week. I'm Maya, I've got Ethan here. Kia ora, I'm Ethan. I'm so excited to be here for my first ever appearance on the unedited session. Long time listener, might I say. <laughs> Ethan is our news editor here at Salient Magazine um, and we have both been on the ball. Ethan has been breaking the news about what is going down here and what it means for students because it's it's some pretty dramatic shit. It is dramatic, it's terrible. So yeah, let's talk about why Jump the university right has found themselves in this Tell me, what has happened, Ethan, in the last week? What did we see at the forums? Okay, basically, Maya and I attended a sort of closed-door staff forum to eavesdrop on the terrible situation the university's found itself in. And basically, the uni's finances are just incredibly cooked. So we knew about an initial $15 million hole, but what we've now learned is that that is projected to reach $33 million of deficit for this year. Mm. And the university can only do so much. They're trying to cut spending in every way they can, but that only amounts to a small factor of this $33 million. $10 million, I think, exactly, is yeah. the operational spending they cuts can, they think they can do. Yeah, they could do $10 million of saving if they sort of stop letting staff drink coffee and photocopy things and do personal development. Yeah, there's been massive purchasing bans placed across many faculties in the university where you can't do staff training, field trips, can't upgrade your equipment, right down to not being able to buy tea and coffee for your office. Yeah, so the other $22 million is what's really interesting because that's where they're going to need to do potentially staff cuts and cut academic programs. Salary saving, I think they call it. Yeah. Um, what are those staff cuts that we're seeing? What's the numbers they've told us? Yeah, so the maximum looks at 260 full-time equivalent staff redundancies. They've sort of been a bit unclear about how many of them would mm. be forced redundancies and how many would be voluntary. Because I, I think the key thing to note here is that this is a proposal. This is something that's going to be under review over the next two months, and then we're going to get some more in-depth confirmation of exactly how many roles are going to be cut and where they're going to be cut from at the moment. There's a really broad range. Yeah, but it looks like at least if they go the staff cuts route, which they will essentially have to, that's going to be about 10% of the CUNY staff gone. Mm, that's intense. Yeah. And that's both academic and professional staff. Professional staff is like the admin and the student support services, um, and academic is like the teaching staff, the professors you might see in your lectures. So what's the sitch with enrolments? What's the problems there? Yeah, well, essentially enrolments have been down big time at Vic, Vic Uni, as have they been for a lot of other universities. And it's sort of been a bit confusing about what 
people are attributing this to. Lots of people are saying it's, you know, international students not coming because of, you know, New Zealand's slow COVID reopening, but a huge part of it and Vic Uni's problem specifically is the market share of domestic students. So less New Zealand students coming to Vic to study. And I think a huge part of that, many people would agree, is because Wellington is just increasingly unaffordable mm. to live and therefore it's unattractive to study. You know, like we are having these huge drops in students, but other universities like University of Canterbury and Christchurch are not facing the same issues because housing in Christchurch is really affordable. So, yeah, VUW's market share of domestic students has decreased, I think. 17% in 2017, the market share of enrolments, just to give you some context, and that has dropped heaps down to 13.9% for 2022 of how many domestic students we have. That's our market share. Um, And I think the key thing is they planned this budget for 2023 around a much higher expected intake of students and they got way less than they thought they would get. And now that's resulted in a much bigger deficit. Yeah, the university was already definitely in a financial pickle and so they were hoping they could get more students. But this year's sort of been an absolute shambles and it's meant that, like, I think the number's 12.1% percent decrease in students at Vic, which is about 2,600 fewer students at the university. That That's massive. That's the biggest figure I've heard from any university. Um, students know what's up, I guess. Prospective <laughs> students know what's up and know where not to go anymore. But it's hard when you're already in this institution and you're seeing this stuff go down. It's affecting current students and the way mm. we are studying and what we think we can study in future. Here's Dougal McNeil, TAU head. What did you think of the vice chancellor's um, state, like comment at the end about focusing on the university's strengths rather than focusing on a being a university where anyone can study anything they want to? He's just arrived. Yeah. This is the first major decision he's having to make in his new role. And that's mm-hmm. a real tragedy. And that's a real shame for him. And he's doing the best he can with a bad hand that he's been dealt. I want to contest the hand rather than mm. holding it. Yeah. yeah. We'll look at this big list now. There's They released this massive list of programs that are under review, academic programs. Um, this doesn't mean that if you're currently studying this subject um, that you won't be able to finish your degree in it. You still will be able to finish your degree studying right till the end. They are obliged to give that to you, but it changes after that and it changes for postgraduate offerings as well. Yeah, it also doesn't mean that any of these courses are necessarily going to be cut. Like if your course appears on this list, it doesn't mean it's going to be cut. It might not even be affected at all, but these are the ones that are being under review and mm. may face staff cuts, funding cuts, the the faculty may shrink a lot. It could anything There's could really quite happen. Quite a few things that they are looking at um, in this review process. They're looking at the reputation of these programs. They're looking at the research advantage that these programs give, and they're looking at the financial contribution they make and the number of enrollments that they are getting. Yeah. So, should we have a read of the list? Do you want to go alternating? I read one, you read the next. So we. Don't choke on the list of 60. Oh, yeah. There's, okay. there's a lot. You go first. Accounting. 
Equatorial science. Applied linguistics. Art history. Asian studies. Business administration. Chemistry. Chinese. Classical performance. Classical studies. Commercial law. Composition. Computer graphics. Design for social innovation. Design technology. Economics. Education. Electrical engineering. English. Fashion design. Finance. French. Geology. Geophysics. German. GIS. Greek. History. Industrial design. Information studies. Information systems. Interaction design. Italian. Japanese. Jazz performance. Latin. Linguistics. Management. Mathematics. Media designs. Music studies. Music therapy. New Zealand Sign Language. Nursing and midwifery. Occupational health and safety. Physical geography. Physics. Professional business analysis. Public policy. Religious studies. Renewable energy. Secondary school leadership. Spanish. Statistics. Taxation. Teaching. Theatre. Tourism management. And UX design. Massive range there. Quite a few from the humanities and social sciences, but it is across all schools that there are prospective programs under review. Yeah, it sucks. And it's scary. And I think so many people will be affected by this. I don't know what percentage of the university these courses are, but I know, yeah, heaps of people have classes in these groups. I know my mine is religious studies. Mm. It's sad to see it up there, but yeah. I have lots of friends who did GIS and geography and physical geography at university, which are really applicable skills in the field. So it's sad to see those up for review, as well as really core ones like English and history, really core BA subjects. And there's been lots of people making points about how those students who are prospectively studying law at Victoria University do so because they are able to come and study those BA subjects here. So what's the future for those? If you don't mind me going on a bit of a tangent, I'd love to talk about the Chancellor and the Vice-Chancellor's speeches at graduation because there have been some murmurings of those and I'll just try to go very briefly. No, go ahead. Um, Chancellor John Allen is in charge of strategic academic direction, doesn't make any of these decisions. That's the Vice-Chancellor Nick Smith's job. John Allen did the speech on graduation about how humanities and social sciences are at the heart and the core of the university Um, and lots of people have been pointing to that as like, what hypocrisy because now we are seeing these really broad subjects under review and I think it's important to keep in mind the politics that were maybe undergoing these speeches because they knew these decisions were coming and I think there's lots of politics to consider here and how these big senior leadership players are approaching this. Yeah it's terrible and like as you were saying some of these are like seriously core thick subjects they're not sort of like skimming the fat off the top with some random courses these are like public policy there's commercial law statistics people take stats like classes are like seriously under threat and some of the really big ones are as well so it's not good at all Dougal's reaction to the big list is about as expected with those specific like faculties that are going to be under review is anything that stood out to you from those what stood out to me is that all of the faculties at the university at the moment are contributing to public education Mm. and all of them are playing crucial roles, whether it's educating the teachers of tomorrow or engaging in discussions about our constitution and the law or carrying out theoretical research in physics or thinking about uh, the arts and languages and cultures in the world. If the decision is being driven by funding problems rather than pedagogy, no cut is good cut. Mm. And here's a president, Jessica Yeo's reaction too. Students are very anxious from my observations. I think the comms to staff have been better than the comms to students at this point. Um, and so there's a lot of anxiety around what might be cut. We've all seen that um, leaked 
sheet of like the programs or yeah. maybe not everyone has seen it but that's been going around and there was big one on email. twitter but um i think you can find the slides on yeah. the website as well pretty easily oh, it's really? all publicly available okay. now they just don't really advertise it yeah yep so yeah i think if people want to see the full picture definitely go see mm. those slides and if you have any questions you can forward them on to um someone at the university i mean i think yeah. it's it's really quite hard i mean we had the forum for staff specifically but there's been no direct like communication to students like you said there's been mm. nothing from the vc to explain what is going down here and why mm. this is happening. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, once students see the full picture, they'll be probably more sympathetic. So that's what's happening here. Um, I think we've broken down into detail what's going on at Victoria University. Shall I go into some of the stuff that we've seen in wider other universities that are altered on now? Um, this is not just a VUW problem. We have seen job cuts and staff cuts and redundancies happen across other universities, although I would say Vic has one of the worst enrollment deficits. Um, but Otago Uni, really bad. Some great reporting by Critic being done there. They need to slash their spending by $60 million um, and their enrollments are down by 670 domestic and international. Um, so they haven't confirmed the number of job cuts, but they're reviewing all the areas of their work and several hundred job cuts are expected. There's been protests by the tertiary education union, by students there against protective job cuts throughout the university. There's specific programs being cut as well at Otago Uni, which is really hard to see. At Massey, there's just been an announcement that they're going to cut 178 jobs, but they are going to create 144 new jobs. So that um, it realistically turns into a loss of 36 real roles. But are those people who cut going to be made into new roles? Are we going to be losing some real integral knowledge there from the job cuts? That's the main point that reporters from Massive Magazine at Massey University are making and lastly, I'd just like to note AUT, Auckland University of Technology, last year announced 170 expected redundancies, but they've had to hold back on that for about six months after a ruling for from the Employment Relations Court has said that you can't do this, bit dodge for you to just out the gate be like, done, can't do that. But job cuts are very much still to come from AUT. Um, and I'd expect to see some more from other universities as well. Yeah, the AUT situation was sort of like the first of all of this, and it was incredibly messy and controversial, and there was a lot of, you know, ill feelings between the university leadership and staff. And I think that's something we haven't really seen at mm. Vic, which is strange because obviously in the past, there's been a really sort of bad relationship between the vice chancellor, former vice chancellor, Grant Guilford, and staff around mismanagement. But here, for this situation, people seem to sort of be on the side of Nick Smith. People are sympathising with the Vice-Chancellor that he has to make these decisions. Obviously, no one wants it to happen, but there is quite a lot of respect. There's not the same hostility that we've seen. I know in the forum that we went to, people bizarrely started clapping at the end of the meeting where they got told they were like going to lose their jobs, which is strange. I mean, half the people were clapping, the other half were like, why the fuck are we all clapping? Should we talk about the government? What, like, the, government, the budget yeah, and stuff? Yeah, let's... Let's look now at some of these 
root causes. Um, Dad has gone on, on here. We've talked to Dougal from the Tertiary Education Union. We've talked to Jess, um, the VUSA president, about what are the things that we're seeing here? What are those reasons that we are in this situation? And one of the real massive things that we've seen everyone point to is chronic government underfunding, if you want to expand on that one, Ethan. Yeah, so it seems like everyone's response isn't, you know, it isn't a beat up of the university senior leadership team for mismanagement, although Dougal did say there has been toxic mismanagement and we know there has been, but it's more sort of asking the government to bail the university out because they're the only ones that can really help. And that's because of the way the funding model is for tertiary education. So in the most recent budget, which you can read about in this issue as well, we did a breakdown, the government announced a $521 million funding boost to universities and they've sort of been pointing to that as like the 20-year largest record increase in funding. But as Dougal and other people have pointed out, this doesn't match inflation. I think it's only about a 4% increase to funding, which doesn't meet obviously 6.7% inflation. So it's effectively a decrease in funding, which is why universities are seeing all these issues because they don't have the money to pay for the financial situations that they found themselves in. So yeah, and we asked the, the Minister of Education, Jan Tenuti, about the situation because obviously everyone's calling on her to bail us out. She said, universities have the autonomy to determine how they manage their financial performance. As minister, I do not get involved in any such decisions. So as of yet, no real indication that they're going to help, sort of just let the university fail and struggle and figure it out ourselves, it seems. But we just, we've seen so many people pointing to how governments have funded universities for the better part of 15 years under inflation um, and that universities as any institution cannot be expected to keep up with a level of funding that does not match inflation. They're not going to be able to keep operating at the same level. And that's what we've seen with VUW. If we don't make change, there isn't going to be any operating by the end of next year. And that is what Jess has pointed and that is what Dougal has pointed at. Yeah, and another interesting thing with with the budget and how universities are funded is, as I understand it, they're funded through a per-student model. So they get paid, the universities get paid a set amount by the government for each student that they get. But because enrolments across the country have dropped off, there's been less funding for tertiary Mm. educations than expected. Government knew this. So with the saving that they made from that, they have reprioritized that spending to other places, whereas people are calling, especially Dougal, is saying, actually, that funding that you reprioritized, that is the money that we need, and it is enough to bail out the universities across the country. Like, Vic could be bailed out, Otago could be bailed out, with the money that they're saving from the drop-in enrollments, which they already had allocated to universities in the first place. Mm. Um, It kind of points to a bit of a broken business model with how governments have treated universities recently um, and have treated them through the ages. Jess Visa President wrote a really good opinion piece in Salient Magazine a couple of weeks ago about how tertiary education institutions have been funded as businesses for quite some time. Um, And that is not an effective way to treat education and it does not guarantee it right for everyone. Jessica had this to say about the root causes of the crisis. One thing I would say to begin with is is that this is not some random issue that's popped out of nowhere. This has been something that's been a long time coming with chronic government underfunding Mm. of tertiary education. Universities have been underfunded below inflation for the last decade or so. And in the last decade, it's equated to... Um, a 20% decrease in funding to universities in real terms. Um, At the same time, costs have continued to rise. And so 
I don't know what the governments have been expecting, um, what kind of outcome they would be expecting if not for this kind of, sorry, I don't know how you could expect universities to stay afloat while, while it's still funding them below inflation mm. so that they can't meet costs. Um, and at the same time, um, that funding is based upon enrollment. So it's per student funding. And when you've got dropping national student population because young people aren't seeing you know, going into university, a desirable option for their futures. Why would I want to accrue debt and live in a shitty flat and study so hard and just generally have poor mental well-being mm. when I can just go and get a job at paid at like living wage or more at, at this current age? And so, yeah. Um, the conditions for students are really hard and not totally. good for studying at the moment. Exactly. So studying isn't being incentivized. So you're seeing um, enrollments dropping all across the country at the same time. And so that means less tuition fees paid to universities and also means less government funding for universities because the way they fund universities is based on per student. Mm. So overall, you can see how students and institutions and staff's futures are really, really interlinked. And in this case, not necessarily in a good way because it's um, a very volatile system. It's a bums on seat business model, essentially. You get demand for students, you get more money. If you don't get the demand, then you have to cut. But that's no way to protect something that should be a public good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's also just talk quickly, Ethan, about the mismanagement and the examples of mismanagement we've seen from the university, because I think those are really important to highlight in the context of us being in a $33 million deficit. Yeah, I think one of the main examples of mismanagement was sort of the new enrolments program that they were trying to push in this year. They knew that they were sort of riding on enrolments to be able to make enough money for the university to survive. And so this new new enrollment program was sort of proposed, but it was essentially just a flop. So Wendy Lana, a member of the university's senior leadership team, was the architect of this new program and she championed it through proposing that it would increase enrollments. But early on this year, it was incredibly buggy and hard to use. Some students claimed that it took them days to get enrolled properly and they could only figure it out after spending hours on the phone with university support. We don't know the exact numbers of how many students didn't enroll because of the issues with the system. It's more anecdotal, but obviously we know that there's been a 12.1% drop in students. And notably, Wendy Lana has since announced she's resigning from the university to become vice chancellor at some other university in the UK, which I can't remember the name of, but that's okay. Lucky her. So... Yeah, it's sort of been a bit of a disaster. Dougal from the union had sort of called her out when he was speaking to us. And here's both Dougal and Jessica on the mismanagement from Victoria's administration. Inside our institution, these events didn't happen in a vacuum. They were caused by individuals. And we have seen, and it's been publicly documented and salient over the last four or five years, a pattern of toxic and dysfunctional mismanagement that is connected very clearly to the situation where now none of the people involved have taken responsibility. Mm. They've moved on to higher paid roles elsewhere or not filled out their terms or there's still uh, this issue of the enrolment system. Mm. You've reported on that, the problems students have had with that enrolment system. Mm, has moved on. Wendy, what Wendy? Yeah, past chancellor has moved on. Has moved upstairs, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the callous way in which staff and students faced the COVID crisis, inconsistencies mm. around messaging, the neglect of our community, our domestic community. Well, people made decisions about those things. And if I was those people, I'd be thinking very seriously at the moment about my role in getting us into that mess. Yeah. 
staff and students shouldn't have to pay for mismanagement here and for irresponsible underfunding from the government. Does this have any connection to the kind of mismanagement we've seen from the university in the last couple of years, um, the last year even, with the um, enrolment system, the money lost there and the name change from previous Vice-Chancellor Guilford? Does this have any connection to that sort of thing? Yeah, I think um, they're separate issues, but I think the um, mismanagement has been is an important point to make as well um, because definitely we saw issues with the enrolment system that was clearly not working and that was an expensive project that went ahead Um despite VUSA and staff alike raising concerns with it constantly. Mm. But that was a project that was pushed ahead. And, yeah, I wasn't around in VUSA when um, Grant Guilford was making a lot of his decisions. I was only in VUSA for, yeah. like, the last part of his um, career here. But, um, yeah, I can certainly say that VUSA's perspective has been that there has been um, damaging decisions taken in the past. But um, at the same time, the chronic underfunding um, – really doesn't help either. Yeah, sweet. A thing that has obviously come out of this is that there's been a huge response from different groups of the university. Dougal from the Tertiary Education Union saying we're going to mobilise. It's an election year. He's been on Twitter calling out Jay Antonini, the Minister of Education. So we're seeing lots of firm action there. We've also seen comments from Vusa and Jess as we added. But there's also been another group which has sort of cropped up called SAC, the Students Against Cuts. And mm. they're calling themselves Students for Staff. And I got handed this. I've got a prop. No one can see that. I've got a prop. Audio listeners, which is everyone. This is, as you can hear, a piece of paper. I was handed it on my way into uni this morning from um, a person wearing an international socialist T-shirt. I understand that group has had some involvement in making this new organisation. And it's basically students standing up to protest against the, the staff cut. So they're having an emergency meeting on Friday the 2nd of June, which I believe will be after this issue comes out. Yeah, And FUSA is working in coordination with this coalition to support them and make sure that what they are doing are in line with the wishes of the Tertiary Education Union. Because it does affect everyone, and it's good to see students actually standing up and getting engaged in sort of university politics, which we haven't seen much of, because this will hugely affect students, you know, like we read out that list of courses, and heaps of people will be affected, you know, people who want to do postgrad study might have their, their postgrad courses cut if they want to do honours, that might be cut, they might not have the supervising staff that they once would have had to be able to supervise them, they might not be able to do the degrees they wanted, they may there could be any situations where things could just completely fall to pieces and Vic can't offer the same resources that it wants to and that a functioning university could mm. because of this financial pickle. Because I think we are changing as a university. This links us into changes. VUW may no longer be a university where anyone can come to to study anything they like. We It is a university that is beginning to focus in on the areas where it has strengths in attracting the most students. Um, and that could be a good thing, but it's also a sad thing to see us not be a broad tertiary education institution. But those things are yet to be seen, how exactly that's going to play out. Yeah, that was one of the, the questions from a staff member in, in the staff forum who sort of asked, can we even call ourselves a tertiary institution if we don't offer a full tertiary education sort of like class of different different courses? And the vice chancellor was pretty pretty frank with the fact that, you know, we sort of do just have to focus on what we what we do best and have these specialised areas instead of, you know, if people want to study more more niche subjects like like in that list, jazz performance or Italian, you might not be able to. But then even still, it doesn't really make sense because they say we want to focus on the things we do best, but then 
courses like public policy, which is a huge part of the university, are also up for review and might be slashed completely. So we don't know what they're what Even they're thinking. Core art subjects like English, history, and theatre. Um, I want to know as well. I want to highlight that we have seen protests at other universities at Massey earlier this month. There were protests um, with like a hundred students at Otago University outside David Clark's office in Dunedin, um, alongside TU, protesting these staff cuts that Otago University are proposing. So we've seen student action elsewhere. We can expect to see student action, hopefully, at VUW as well. Yeah, and I think like one of the most interesting aspects to this is it won't be traditional sort of student protests, protesting against the senior leadership, because everybody, including this SAC group, including the union, including lots of staff, are sort of directing this this anger and this hostility towards the government rather than senior leadership. So as Dougal was saying, it's an election year, they're going to get out and run a campaign and they're really calling on the minister and the government to bail the university out rather than the university to just pay everyone because they know that the reality is that in 2024 they will run out of money and that's just not an option. So it'll be really interesting to see mm. how the protests are angled towards the government and the minister. We're looking at, as Dougal said, a starving education, tertiary education um, sector. The entire sector is struggling. The entire sector is starving. It is a problem that has been many years in the making. Um, And I think we should really be thinking about what kind of country, what kind of world we are um, if we don't have tertiary education, if we don't have um, well, robust research institutions that can be the critic and conscious of society, critic and conscious of the government, of the media, of the public. Um, We need people to hold governments account and to make us go further as a society, and that's what tertiary education does. Dougal predicts a substantial shift in what this will mean for the university. That all depends on the kind of campaign we run. Mm. And so for me, the question is, in an election year, claiming to be the party for students, party for services, the party for public education, is Labour going to sit back and facilitate the gutting of our universities? If they are, then we've got a fight on our hands. But nothing's predetermined. My intention is to lead an industrial and political campaign to fight for every single job at this university. Yeah, and I think it just doesn't really make sense for the minister to be saying, I don't get involved in in the operations of the university, because she does. They do outline the funding model. They are able to bail the university out with that reserved and reallocated spending, but they're sort of deciding not to. And I think, you know, politically, it would make sense to, to fund a university, not only because public education is so important, but also this is sort of a very... Like, to use a Chris Hipkins line, this is a bread and butter issue. Like, this could mean 260 staff lose their jobs and then would have to go on, you know, job seeker support or leave Wellington and leave the city and make the city less vibrant and all these things. Like, a huge slash like this, 10% of university staff would be so detrimental to not only this institution, but the city, but then mm. also the public education of the whole country. So, it doesn't really make sense for them just to be palming it off as not my problem, they can figure it out themselves. 
And I think, as always, let's remember that Chris Hipkins was a visa president back in the day. Grant Robertson was involved in NZUSA, the New Zealand Students Association. Um, these people have roots in student and tertiary issues and advocating for them. Um, and now they're the big boys in politics making the big decisions. Um, and they should probably still be thinking about this. Another important thing is Chris Hipkins recently at the Labour Congress was making some very strong comments about his commitment to education and his his history as part of the student movement, which seemed somewhat ironic given the current circumstances. But he said, it'll come as no surprise to you that education is one of my great passions in politics. Education has the power to transform lives. As Minister of Education, I knew we needed to avoid short-term thinking and political posturing that has so often done so much harm. And then he goes on to say, I remain as committed today as I was 20-odd years ago as a student protester to breaking down the barriers to participation in education at all levels. So he's making really strong comments and commitments to education amid this whole situation which would see 10% of our university staff sacked when they have the ability to intervene and stop it. So maybe that's him signalling good things to come and the government's going to support and bail out the university. Or maybe that is just political posturing like he was speaking out against. We won't know until they say something and until Minister Tanidi says more than the fact that she's not going to get involved. We're getting really political here, Maya. We're situation. getting we're getting this is like the Mike Hosking breakfast with me and you, just you know, <laughs> hacking away at the government's failures of education. Um, I think it's just important to like focus on it and lend a light to it. But this has been a special recording of the unedited session. Um, thank you for joining me, Ethan, where we have broken down the breaking news with these massive staff cuts proposed by the university. Um, and this matters to you. If you're a student, this really matters. So please um, give some aroha to your teaching staff this week. Um, and... You know, keep on the ball. And pick up the latest issue of Salient. It's the common issue. But read Salient News. Slay. Slay. At the gate. Slay. This wasn't actually at that out the gate. Or was it? It was a bit out the gate. Out the gate considering staff's jobs are going to be cut. Yeah, that's pretty out the gate. This podcast was hosted by Maya Ingo and Ethan Manera. A big thank you to Dougal McNeil and Jessica Yeo for sharing their thoughts. This episode is a Salient Podcast production. Head to Salient Podcast on Instagram to keep up with the unedited sessions and more. For more reporting from Salient, head to salient.org.nz or at salientgram on Instagram to stay in the loop with student issues. Kakite. Death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> Can we include that? <laughs> Can I just add this in randomly, Alex? But in the meeting with um, <laughs> Vice Chancellor Nick Smith, he said, you know, we only want to do this once. We don't want death by a thousand cuts. A very stuff. popular phrase, which is well known to most people, except my lovely co-editor, Maya Ingo, <laughs> who walked out of that forum and said, I can't believe Nick Smith is a Swifty. He knew that Taylor Swift lyric and used it in the forum. <laughs> and I was like... Maya, no, that is not where that line is from. But you know, that's a that's a real Gen Z moment, and good on you for that. Maybe we should start calling him Nick Smith, Nick Swift, Nick Swift, because he's such a Swifty for using that line.